0: Hello, this is Brian McCormick. Welcome to another edition of the Leadership Podcast Series from the resource for leaders, leadernetwork.org. Our leader of the month is David Dean. He is president of David Dean & Associates, Inc., an insurance marketing company based in Las Cruces, New Mexico. David is a 40-year veteran of direct sales and considered to be one of the most experienced and knowledgeable direct sales professionals in the country. David was introduced to sales while in college at Taylor University in Upland, Indiana. During his summer months, he sold books door-to-door for the Southwestern Company of Nashville, Tennessee, the oldest direct sales company in America. David later went on to become Vice President of Sales. David has spoken to thousands of direct salespeople, and he was honored to be a past presenter at the National Direct Selling Association annual meeting. Through two successful radio talk shows David hosted, he has had the opportunity of interviewing many highly successful people. He says this experience broadened his knowledge and expertise of leadership. Excerpts from many of these interviews are included in David's best selling book, Now Is Your Time to Win. The book has 138,000 copies in print and it is available at executivebooks.com. Listen now to my interview with David Dean, our leader of the month, as he shares what he believes it takes to be effective as a leader.
1: Favorite quotes You know what? There's three. Really, that come to mind that I have I've, I've read over and over, quoted in my mind over and over, and now all of which have been tremendous you. One is a well-known quote by Theodore Roosevelt called The Credit, where it says, The Credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself on a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither of victory or defeat. Ryan, when I was out as a young man, uh, I sold books in the summertime with the Southwestern Company, during my college summers, and uh, I, was assigned, I was signed up as a freshman in college, and my job was to go out and sell books door-to-door 80 hours a week uh, on straight commission, and, um, you know, when you're out there on a bicycle in Greenville, South Carolina, age 18, uh, I used to quote this over and over and over again, and it was such a tremendous help to me, because at a time when maybe my sales performance wasn't... At all time high, uh, I would remind myself that the credit really belongs to the man who's actually out there in the arena, who, who's you know trying to get it done. And I still, I'm still, I'm still inspired by that quote. Uh, a second one was by Calvin Coolidge on persistence, and he said this: Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan "Press on" has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. And that's something I've also, Brian, tried to just man keep in mind that, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of battles are won. A lot of games they won with just sheer, sheer persistence. Just, uh, a hundred percent commitment sure. to seeing it through at all costs and the ability to just keep on keeping on. And I, I would say probably my third favorite quote would be by, uh, Swindoll, uh, Chuck Swindoll, who's an author. I really admire and respect also a very successful pastor and, uh, He said this about attitude. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than the facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures or successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearances, giftedness or skill. It can make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. And I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And, uh, Brian, I found that to be true. You know, sure. I've had the privilege of interviewing some of the outstanding leaders in America through a couple talk shows I did kind of as a hobby. And the one thing I've seen that are characteristic of, of every, every successful person that I've had the privilege of interviewing and those that I've had the privilege of leading is just a can-do attitude, a great attitude, not just a Pollyanna, everything's going to work out, but one that says there's two kinds of people. You know, one looks for a way, the other looks for an excuse. Mm. And it doesn't take any guts or guts to find excuses. Anybody can do that. But it takes a quality person to find a way to go right straight through any obstacle that might stand in their way. And I found that people that have a positive attitude, a can-do attitude, uh, no matter what obstacle they face, you know, they try to choose. They they choose to take the best possible uh, choice they can make at the time, and uh, and uh, you know, do the best they can with it, and move on. You know, I found a great attitude, uh, like my friend, Mike Anderson, who I saw you interview a while back, who started Success Series. You know, he's got a book or a quote that says, Success, I mean, attitude is everything. And it may not be everything, but it's right up there.
0: Sure. Well, terrific responses and, and three wonderful quotes. A couple things jump to my mind that just if you could maybe talk a little bit more. Um, One about your experience with Southwestern, I've talked to some other folks who who have went through that experience. Could you talk a little bit about what that has meant to you and your career?
1: Absolutely. I, you know, I was recruited again as a young college freshman. Because I, I ended up being with the company, Brian, seventeen years. Okay. Uh, I sold four summers and went on to be a sales manager and, and had the privilege of later serving as vice president of sales uh, for Southwestern. But uh You know, when you're recruited to sell on straight commission, and we're about 1,000 miles away from home, uh, and, you know, you're told that you're going to make, you need to make about 50 cold calls a day to get in 25 to 30 presentations uh, to sell two. So when you know every day you're going out there, and before you start, you have an idea that you may, if you're really good, sell two or three people out of the 50 persons you're about to contact. So I think it taught me, a lot in a very short period of time, and one is that you got to be a hundred percent committed to what you what you do. Sure, I made the statement that that if you're a hundred percent committed, you can become highly successful in time in most any venture that's credible. Uh, if you're ninety nine percent committed, uh, you're going to fail, mm. and it's just a matter of time. Because a lot of times people think well ninety five ninety percent committed that's pretty good well that's that's really no commitment ninety five percent committed hundred you know ninety nine percent committed all that's really saying is you're you're totally committed until you're not okay in other words, you're committed until all of a sudden you may hit a wall or you may hit because I can tell you when you've knocked down forty five doors in a row and you haven't made a sale uh, or you've had a slow week if you're not a hundred percent committed to sticking out what you've started, then the the challenges and difficulties, uh, even in life sometimes, are so great that if you're not committed to seeing it through, uh, you you know, many times will drop out sure. along the line. So I think what that taught me is, you know, when you're going 80 hours a week, uh, you've heard people talk about attitude, but, you know, when you're doing that, your attitude is not a luxury. I mean, you're forced to have a good attitude if you're going to survive. A bad attitude just it's just not going to work. It's not going to let you survive the challenges that you're going to face on a monthly, weekly, daily, and even an hourly basis. So that, that taught me so much about, like I said to you, where I, I, I came across, that's where I learned the phrase, came across the phrase, you know, the credit belongs to managers and It's also where I came across the phrase uh, on persistence because I saw time and time and time again that, uh, I mean, I'd be out there at eight thirty, maybe nine o'clock at night and, and still hadn't sold anything. And all of a sudden that last call, maybe at nine thirty, wow. uh, and I'd sell a book and, uh, it would teach me over and over again that if you want to win, you persist. If you persist long enough, uh, more times than not, uh, you're going to succeed. And I think in, in selling, if you know, a lot of people, I have the, yeah, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of people in the sales arena. Uh, People can learn to sell. You can learn to sell like you do anything else, and you can become good in sales. You know, over a period of time, if you're willing to do those things that other people who have been highly successful in sales, you know, have been willing to do. Hmm. And uh, not, you know, most of it is being 100% committed to making it before you start. I mean, I really believe you can determine your success uh, before you've made the first call or sales call with a new company. You know, if you research a company well. Uh, if you if you believe that the the product or the company you're about to represent is credible, one you can be excited about being with, proud right. to represent, uh, then you can determine ahead of time if you're going to be successful. And if you're 100% committed to be successful before you start, then when you hit those rough times and you hit those challenges, and you you know you hit you go through the ups and downs, uh, you're able to weather those. Sure. A lot of people follow you know kind of by the wayside.
0: Great. What about when you had referenced also some of your time doing the uh, talk shows or the, I believe it was Profiles and Perspectives on Success, correct?
1: Yes, I I did a couple, yeah, a couple programs. One called The Winter Circle
2: back several
1: years ago, and then one on, on the NBC affiliate in Phoenix five nights a week called Profiles and Perspectives on Success.
0: Okay. Can you talk a little bit about, you had mentioned you know all the successful people you came across and some some commonalities that you noticed in those pe- people that you profiled are there any other threads that seem to continue coming across with different successful people that you were profiling
1: yeah i say there's there are about four things that i saw in every you know all ages all all different backgrounds i reference one is that they were 100% committed to what they were about to do. Okay. And uh, let me give you a quick example. I had the privilege of interviewing Howard Schultz, who's CEO of Starbucks. Starbucks recruited him. Right. To get involved, and he wanted very badly to start the what is commonly what you see is Starbucks today. You know. Okay. But the company in Milan, Italy, there were, he saw 1,400 coffee shops, people sitting around drinking coffee. That wasn't really being done in America. He came back pretty excited about starting that here. And at that time, Starbucks just sold coffee by the bean. They weren't, you know, they may have had a couple coffee shops, but it wasn't as you see it today. Right. This was almost 20 years ago, and so they let him experiment with one in Seattle, and it became profitable. He thought for sure that. You know, at that point, he could uh, sell the owners on you know doing it in a little broader fashion, and they weren't interested. So he had a tough decision to make. You know, he resigned to start his own coffee company. He named it after I think a newspaper in Milan. But he uh, knocked on like 215 out of you know 235 investors. He was turned down by like 215 out of 235. Wow. He wasn't working at the time. His wife was teaching school. Yeah, he had to raise 1.8 million. He had to raise 800 thousand of the 1.8-point million before he could use any of the 800000 You know, it's one of those deals, until you raise enough, you can't use any of what you're raising. Sure. So he was kind of a catch-22 deal. But finally, uh, through just sheer persistence, got the money you needed. Then Starbucks came to him later and said, for an additional $4 million, we will sell you the name, uh, sell you a couple of, you know, the, the stores we own, the name, the brand, uh, our markets, everything connected to the uh, our coffee business. And he went back to the original investors and up, and the rest is history. I think last year or so they did something like five point eight or six billion. Wow! In sales, so I think the one thing that was the one thing I saw characteristic of every every great person or every great winner that I had the privilege of interviewing. I mean, the second was uh, attitude. Okay. It was a can do attitude that we will find a way to go over, around and right straight through any obstacle uh, that stands in our way. So they, they were just committed uh, to making it work and then had the attitude that we will find a way to get this done. may take us a year, may take us two, may take us five. It doesn't really matter. You know, we're going to figure out a way to get this done.
2: Sure. It
1: would be also characteristic. Three was persistence, like Schultz. You know, when you're turned down 215 out of 235 times, uh, if you're not 100% committed, if you don't have a can-do attitude, He's just not going to keep persisting, right, but through sheer persistence, uh, he finally got the money necessary you know for that original investment to take off before Starbucks came in, and the fourth thing was in endurance, okay it, I saw that like I didn't give me an example. I had the privilege of interviewing the late uh, coach Tom Landry oh okay, in Dallas, and um, his first year in Dallas. One zero, lost eleven, I think tied one, lost his second year, lost his third year, lost his fourth year, fifth year, didn't have a didn't have a year they broke even until the sixth season. Wow. And so, you know, had he not been able to persist, you know, if he hadn't been committed, if he didn't have a great attitude, if he hadn't persisted, but if he hadn't endured, if he hadn't just hung on. You know, he went on to be the third winningest NFL coach in the history of NFL. Uh, you mentioned Coach John Wooden, that you had the privilege of interviewing. Uh, one of my all-time, one of the all-time great men I've had the privilege of meeting, uh, interviewing. I had the privilege of spending a few hours at his home in May of 06. Here's another gentleman, 53 years old, before he coached his first NCAA championship
2: Wow!
1: at UCLA. Then coached 10 in 11 years. <laughs> so, you know, was committed. Uh, had a great attitude, obviously, persisted, and endured. So I I think those are four characteristics I've seen of about every great individual that I've had the privilege of meeting, interviewing, or reading about.
0: Excellent. Was there anything that came across through talking to different people that was, was just unique, you know, something that really... Wasn't something that you noticed in a lot of leaders or successful people, but something that that really struck you with any person that you know. This is, you know, one in a million, or, or this isn't being done anywhere else. Did anything like that ever strike you by chance?
1: No, I don't think so. I think every uh, everybody has their own style. Everybody's got their own personality. Okay. Uh, I think when it comes right down to it. Those four things I just mentioned were the four things that I saw, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Okay. And every person that I had the privilege of of meeting and talking to, and again, I don't, you know, some of these I don't know in depth those persons.
0: Right. Right. Sure.
1: But the um, that seemed to be a common thread.
0: Okay. Great. What about advice that you would have to aspiring leaders?
1: Yeah. Most of my life, my professional career has been spent with salespeople. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know there are a lot of lot of persons out there in your audience that work with sales organizations or other groups. Mm-hmm. I'd say for these are some of the things I would I would mention. I, I would say, one, determine how you want to be remembered by the people you lead, I mean, excuse me, by the people you lead when you leave an organization or company or in many cases when they leave and what I mean by that is this you know you're building your legacy daily, sure, with every action and decision you make, and you need to determine ahead of time you know how do you want to be remembered by the people that uh, you're responsible for or if someone leaves your organization and they ask uh, and they ask someone ask them about you you know how what what's the image you want how how do you want to be remembered okay? I'd say, second, believe in the adage that every organization is, in fact, a direct reflection of the top because it's true. Mm. Your characteristics or the characteristics that you want to see exemplified in those that you lead uh, need to be lived out by yourself because people will resemble your leadership in time, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, I'd say determine your personal values and keep them closely in mind in every decision you make. Mm-hmm. If you'll stay true to your value system, it'll have more to do with making good decisions and more to do with the respect that will come from persons you lead than about anything else you can do. Okay. I'd say another thing. I'd seek out at least one leader you admire and respect that can be a mentor to you. Mm. Because whatever degree of success I've had, I've had the privilege of being around persons uh, much more successful than myself. But I've had the privilege of learning from, watching, uh, listening to, learning from. And I think we're all you know, we're all kind of a collection of people that were around or have been around. Sure. And uh, so I think if you could pick out one or two persons that, that you do have a lot of respect for and admire that could be a mentor, it, it makes a tremendous difference and kind of cuts that learning curve, too.
2: Right, definitely.
1: Uh, I asked a gentleman one time who is worth probably a billion dollars why he had been as successful as he, or why he thought he had been as successful as he'd become, and without without even thinking much, he said, David, I've tried to learn hard from the mistakes of other people so I don't have to make those same mistakes and say, you know, if I had it to do over again, I'd do it differently because you really don't have it to do over again. So if you can learn from persons, uh, you know, that have made mistakes, and from their mistakes, uh, you're so much better off. Also, obviously, from their, their, you know, their successes as well. I'd say, uh, you know, continue to read biographies of leaders you admire and respect. Okay. You know, many times I might misunderstand what you would say I need to do, but I don't miss uh, what I've seen you do. Sure. But what I see you do or read about, I can interpret from how it would apply to me or my organization. Uh, Another thing I'd say, you know, make sure you're 100% committed to being the best you can be in every area of your life, not just your leadership skills. Mm. Uh, I'd say always tell the truth. There is no such thing in business as a half-truth. Okay. I'd say don't be afraid to confront people when the need to do so is apparent. You're never going to run off a good person telling them what they need to hear. Okay. Especially when they believe you have their best interest at heart. Sure. I'd say take a genuine interest in the people you lead. There is a lot of truth to the statement, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I'd say, you know, don't be afraid to get close to your people. I don't think you need to be buddy-buddy. I don't think that works for a leader. But, you know, I think certainly don't be afraid to get close to people that you you work with. It'll make a difference and certainly a motivation. If they respect you, they admire you, you know, they appreciate that time. Uh, I'd say strive to lead by example. Another one of my favorite quotes, Brian, is, you know, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. Mm, sure. And there's an awful lot of truth to that. Men that have impacted my career and life, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, have all been those that have successfully done what they are leading me to do or leading others to do. Right. I'd say don't be afraid to make tough decisions when they need to be made, but when helpful and when the opportunity merits, it, you know, get as much input and advice as you can before making the decision, and then make it. I'd say strive to recruit the caliber, caliber of people you would like to associate with even if they were not working with you. I'd say never forget that meetings don't make up for personal conferences with people under your leadership. Okay. Uh, you can do so much with people one on one obviously, there's a purpose for meetings, but people respond so so much better, and you can learn so much more, and you get so much more than in personal conferences. Obviously, what needs to be communicated in groups and teaching and training is fine. Well, so know a lot of personal leadership comes one on one.
0: Sorry to interrupt you there, but I just that's one area I think in aspiring leaders that I've noted that it is really just not taken advantage of or or not embraced enough is that notion of of that one-on-one meeting it it seems like when things are conveyed in a group like you say sure general training and whatnot can be but when you have specifics that you want to get accomplished and they involve you know one individual it it really seems like that one-on-one Eyeball to eyeball is so much more effective, and it seems like some aspiring leaders really um, don't embrace that concept as much as they should.
1: Yeah, I think that people again that have had the most impact on me have been people who taught me, you know, who spent time with me individually as I was coming up through the ranks. Sure. And uh, would also hold me accountable, but would also get to know me. And I think that's where you really get to know your people, right, individually. Because a lot of times there's something going, there's you know, a lot of things that maybe are going on with their people. Uh, professionally, personally, that that you just don't want to talk about in front of a group or they don't want to talk to you about in front of a group. Right. Or if their production is up or down, whatever, if you need to address something, I would always say, you know, address it, especially if it's a criticism or confrontation, always do that individually. Mm hmm I've never seen leaders win confronting people or confronting individuals in a group. Right. Nine out of ten times it's going to backfire and it doesn't accomplish what you would have hoped to so I'd say, again, start to work with people as individuals, not as groups. Sure. I'd say remember people never forget what they're told when they're being brought into an organization. Okay. I could ask somebody from any any direct sales company in America or any sales company in America, 10 years later, they never forget what they were told when they were brought in. They never forget if they were shot straight.
0: Interesting.
1: They never forget they can tell you exactly what they were saying you know it doesn't matter, and that's why it's so important to remember that how you're bringing people in they're going to remember for their entire career Wow so you know many times you want to be slow to commit, but make sure you keep the commitments that you're making to people because they will always remember what has been stated to them, and also they'll always remember what is asked of them as, you know as well, sure. I saw a note down here, you're talking about traits of an important leader. Right. Uh, I just, off the cuff, I would say, number one, honesty. Okay. If I can trust you, I can take almost anything from you. And what I mean by that is this. If I know that what you say is true, and I don't have to ask myself if what you're saying uh, is ho- all true, pretty much true, kind of true, not true at all. If I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I may not like what you say to me. I may not agree with what you say to me. I may not agree with your opinion. But if I know that what you're stating to me is honest, then I can deal with the facts, you know, as they are, or what you're presenting to me, or what you're asking, whatever. So, I, more than any single factor, I've seen that if you're for a leader to be honest with his people, uh, and and people to know that they can trust emphatically. What you say to them—that uh, that gets them through almost any any challenge. They'll go through anything for a leader they can trust. If you've got the trust of your people, you've got everything. If you don't have the trust of your people, you have absolutely nothing. Zero.
0: How uh, I'm I'm just curious. Sorry to interrupt you, but how in the the people that you run into, both leaders and aspiring leaders, is that? that first crucial, important trait, is that something in general that you think um, people can make some gains on, or is that something that we're, we in general are doing pretty well on? What, what are your thoughts on that? I
1: think it's, I think we all can strive, you know, it, you know, you may make a mistake, you may say something to someone that's not correct, but it, if there's a difference between making a statement that you thought to be correct, that later you find out is incorrect.
2: Okay.
1: And you can go back and say, you yeah, know, Bob, what I told you, I thought was correct. I just found out what I just stated to you wasn't correct. I just need to, I need to, um, I need to correct that.
2: Sure. Okay.
1: There's a different. People accept that all day long. I don't. You know, someone makes a statement they really believe is correct, and they find out later. I, I, I have great respect for the fact that they would come back and say to me, "Hey, what I said to you, and what I told you is not accurate." Right. And I apologize. I thought it was the information I got to that, to that, 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 whatever. Sure. You know. And this is the fact, and I hope. I can deal with it. There's a difference between that and someone intentionally misrepresenting facts for whatever reason,
2: Sure.
1: or not telling someone the total truth, or not, some, you know, not not shooting people straight. Gotcha. I, I definitely think that that sometimes we're afraid if we, you know, we tell people the truth that they may not react as well as we'd like to, or we'd like them to, or you know, we may run them off or. The facts may um, may discourage them, whatever the deal may be. But I don't think you ever lose being truthful because like, you've heard the phrase, you can fool some of the people some of the time, a lot of people a lot of the time, nobody all the time. Right. And I'm, I'll follow a leader, who, you know, and most people will, as long as I can trust what they're stating to me. I don't have to agree with their opinions all the time. Mm-hmm. We're all going, all leaders. You know, you're not going to agree with any leader's opinion 100 percent of the time, right? Nor does any leader expect you to. But if I can trust that what that leader is saying to me is honest, then you know I'll, I'll go through anything, and most people will. Sure. So yeah, I think we can all strive because I think there's a little attitude out there that, matter of fact, I thought, I, I talked to a gentleman one time, and I said to him, I, I said, you you're making some statements." clients. Someone's asking you, is that the best deal you can do? And he said, I, I tell him yes. Well, it? he said, well, no, not really. Ah. Uh, I, th- I said, then why, why Why would you say that? He said, well, because we can make more of a profit if we make a certain statement. And I thought, well, you know, you may, you may win one or two. You may close a few that way, but you're never going to build a long term clientele. You're never going to build a long term lasting relationship if it's not built on trust and honesty, hmm. whether it's with a sales force, a wife, a child, whatever, you know, there is no shortcut to an honest relationship. It's either honest or it's not sure. in any in
2: between.
1: Sure. Now, being 100% committed to, uh, I'd say 100% committed to the work you're involved in. Usually, you know, leaders want their people to be 100% committed. And so I think they need to see, uh, I, the people I, that have impacted me the most, I, I've watched them being really 100% committed to, to work they're involved with. And that's, that's as motivational as anything.
2: Sure. If
1: you want to motivate your people, have them watch you being 100% committed to what you're doing. That'll motivate the tar out of them. Right. Another trait I've seen that is just being focused. You know, leaders that are focused kind of like that uh, magnifying glass. You, as, a, as a kid, probably, Brian, you and I used to play with magnifying glasses, and, you you know, if you pull it too far away, you can you can sit there all day long with activity and nothing gets hot. Right. But you focus that baby in, all of a sudden you can get fired. Sure. Well, I, I think being focused is something I've seen as a trait that I admire in a leader. Being committed to the people you're leading. You know, people want their people to be committed. The question I ask leaders is, are you committed to the people you're leading? Hmm and that's right leading by example okay and again going back to you can't you know the phrase you can't teach what you don't know you can't lead where you won't go I think there's you know a lot of people that, that are asking people to do something either they've never done before or wouldn't be willing to do
2: sure okay
1: and again people who've had impact on me are all people who have been willing to do and done successfully what they're asking me to do if people know that you have been where they have been and you've gone through what they've gone through and you understand not just technically. If you understand technically what someone's going through, but you don't understand emotionally what they're going through, you many times gonna miss the boat in leading them successfully.
2: Sure.
1: People really know you understand emotionally what they're going through. You don't have to go through the exact same thing, but they 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 will trust your leadership so much more, and they'll listen to your advice. You know, the advice that you're giving them. I'd say the um, I'd say taking responsibility for the results of your company and organization. I had a a mentor of mine that, when I was an officer, matter of fact, of a, of the book company, that a mentor or a gentleman I reported to he said, "David, I'm going from time to time. He said, I need to sell you. On, I'm gonna try to sell you on something. Maybe it would be a, a a way that we were supposed to do something, or a direction we should take, or or way I should maybe spend some time during the next couple, of whatever. He said, I'm gonna try to sell you on something. If I can, I can sell you on it." And uh, and you take my advice and you make it work, it's going to be totally to your credit. But if you take my advice and it doesn't work, it's totally your fault because you didn't have to take my advice. Okay. And so the point he was finally making, and always made with us, is ultimately you're responsible for the results. You more than anybody else know where you're trying to go. I'm going to ask you to be responsible for the results. I may advise you from time to time, but you're ultimately the one that's got to make the decision because you're ultimately going to be the one that's going to be responsible for the results of the organization. Sure. I'd say the ability to attract strong people with good values. Okay. That's uh, so important, for I think, for a great leader. Uh, if, they, if they sense that you have good values, people that you're, you're going after believe, you know, you're going after people with good values. They believe you have good values. The odds of you being able to attract them to your organization are so much greater. I'd say the ability to paint the big picture of where you see the organization going and how each individual, you know, kind of fits into that picture. Okay. I'd say the ability to pace yourself and those under your leadership for steady performance over the long haul. You know, when you're going into a sales career, and I I work with salespeople and professional salespeople over a long period of time. And you have to have the ability to pace them, and you want to pace them for steady performance over the long haul, not just one great year or one great month. Sure. And I see a lot of leaders that are always striving to maybe get the ultimate out of someone one month, which is fine, but many times if, if you don't pace a person 48 weeks out of the year, I'd much rather see someone be steady over a long period of time then maybe have one great year and burn out and you know they're gone maybe.
0: The yeah, next You know, I'm curious a follow up one time I had a leader tell me basically, you know, you, you ride someone as hard as you can for a year and then, you know, if they can't continue at that pace then you move on to the next person and I boy, that really kind of concerned me that notion. Do you really cars-
1: I've seen people on the other hand it, it, it takes so long to train somebody, and it takes so long to develop a good person and a good leader. Uh, I want persons that are with me, you know, five years, ten years, not just one good year. Right. And I know that if I can pace them over a long period of time, that I'm going to develop some very, very good people that can train other people. Sure. And, you know, people that are, that are happy to be in the organization and also excited about bringing other people into the organization.
0: We all have a story. What is yours? Is there a story you can think of that encapsulates what you're all about? You know, either a, a personal story about yourself or about someone else, or like a metaphor or an analogy?
1: Yeah, I'd say that I'm not a story, but i you know the, one of the questions i I noticed that you asked was your most admired leader, and i I put uh, Christ, Jesus Christ, because his teaching is also the example. And I also put, as far as the the leader that would have, would have maybe uh, read about as well would be Lincoln. and I, I I don't know that I think the thing I admired so much about Lincoln was the fact that he um, no matter how many challenges he had, no matter how many defeats uh, he went through, he he had the ability to you know to come back. Okay. He had the ability to try again. He had the ability to fail at times without blaming others. Sure. And obviously, he, in time, went on to succeed. And in my opinion, one of the great leaders and all-time great presidents we've ever had for a lot of different reasons. And I think in every life, my, my mine as well you're going to have some successes and you're going to have some setbacks. And I think one of the things I, I have, I, you asked me about the people I've, I've interviewed, I think one thing that does come to mind, Brian, as I think about it, is I don't think I interviewed a single individual that had gone on to be highly successful that I hadn't had one or more serious setbacks. Along the way, whether it be financial reversals, whether it be maybe a personal tragedy, um, hmm. I just didn't see a single individual that had a straight shot to the top without having to overcome some very very serious challenges. Okay. So in my life, you know, I've had some real successes. I've I've had some, I've had some failures, and I think that's why I admire Lincoln so much, and I, I always kept his example in mind, is that. I felt like, you know, that's why I love the the, the serenity prayer, Brian, so much, where it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. Because I think, you know, we're all writing a story, like you say, and our, our life really is a story, and I think my challenge has been, Lord, help me continue to strive to be the person that you had intended me to be, me for the mistakes I make, help me to learn from those, and help me to strive to keep becoming more of a person you intend me to be and, and keep moving forward, you know. Um, so I think the story, of than any, is just that of uh, some successes and, and coming back from setbacks and continue to move forward.
0: Great story. I like it. <laughs> um, well, I really enjoyed your wisdom, David. I think that a lot of the things that you've shared are very applicable to people's lives and um, people can learn a lot from not only the words of wisdom you shared, but the the stories and the examples that you gave along with those words. So I I thank you very much for sharing and I'm looking forward to, to compiling these insights and, and putting them together as part of the Leader of the Month feature for you. And that concludes our leadership conversation with David Dean. We thank David for sharing of his leadership insights.